No one likes to feel stuck, especially by your cloud. But the IBM cloud is the most open and secure public cloud for business. It can manage all your apps and data anywhere. Smart loves problems. IBM, let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash flexible. Pardon the interruption, but I'm Mike Lobon. The World Series begins tonight, Tony. You're having people over, aren't you? I'm Tony Corner. I said, no, I'm not. I'm sending them to your house. Huh? Yeah! Huh? Are you ready for the address, people? No, 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 no. We're not doing address. Are you here. having people over? I love the World Series. I will watch as long as I can. Tuesday night. I can't go the distance anymore, but I will watch as much as I can. To the fourth inning. No, no, I can get. Oh, I can get to the fourth inning. Starts at eight. I can get to the fourth inning. Pitching changes. Well, if there's a lot of pitching changes, I don't know that. Greg Kimbrell's out there. You're not getting to the eighth. If I'm awake when he's there, that's a big upset. Welcome to PTI, boys and girls. In today's episode, Rajon Rondo denies he spit. Derek Carr denies he cried, and the Lakers are denied their first win. But we begin today with Game 1 of the World Series, only a few hours away. The Boston Red Sox led the majors in wins, 108, and runs scored. They dominated first the Yankees and then the defending champion Astros in the AL playoffs. Both the Astros and the Yankees won considerably more games than the Dodgers, who needed a 163rd game to even win their division. Wilbon, will Boston's season be a disappointment if they don't win a ring? Tony, I, I just don't believe in that. You know, we occasionally ask this question about, will the Patriots season be a disappointment if they don't win the world, if they don't win the Super Bowl? You know, will LeBron's season be a disappointment? I don't believe in that. I believe that, that sports is more complex than that, that it's harder to get to a championship game round series than that question suggests. So no. I mean, the Boston Red Sox have had a great season. It is no guarantee that they're going to go also through Clayton Kershaw if he gets two starts that could win two games and the Los Angeles Dodgers. I'm going to answer the question directly and I'm going to answer it in the exact opposite manner that you've answered it. I think it will be a tremendous disappointment if they don't win. They have been the best team all year. We are past the point in the culture where the Boston Red Sox are sympathetic figures. We're past the point where the Chicago Cubs are sympathetic figures because they have won World Series. You are the best team. You handily in the playoffs beat the next two best teams. You've got home field, and you've got the weather advantage because it gets cold a lot in Boston, and you know how to deal with it. Yes, tremendous disappointment if they lose. No, Tony, this is not 1964 with two with an American League champ playing a, a, a National League champion for the World Series. You have rounds of playoffs now. And those things take on a momentum of their own, a life of their own, if you will. And I just don't believe they that. Expect so to the win. Red Sox, they should win. Baseball, particularly, is the sport where a grueling marathon of a regular season right. is supposed to be respected. If you wind up on top of that, the Red Sox have done that. But they hit every mark they were supposed to hit. They hit, including being dominant in the playoffs to this okay. point. Now, I, I mean, what I wonder about is Chris Sale. And David Price and Ivaldi, you know, are they better than Kershaw and whoever else the Dodgers yeah. throw out there? But I think it's a hitter's series. You may not. I think it's a hitter's series. And I think it's going to end up in Craig Kimbrell's lap a lot. And I think that's shaky. I think it's you shaky. You just got this whole thing forecast. I do. Okay, we'll get to some other forecasts you've had in a minute. Like now, Tony, the most beloved team in Los Angeles, not the Dodgers, the Lakers, has been involved in three unbelievably entertaining and dramatic games so far. And has lost all of them, including an overtime thriller to the Spurs in L.A. last night. We're not going to deal with whether LeBron should have taken that jump shot or driven. We're not going to deal with that. Instead, let's get right into Luke Walton's postgame comments, which detail the Lakers' lack of foul shots, despite being the aggressor in every game. 
So, Tony, how does this sit with you that the Lakers are blaming officiating for their winless start? Okay, so let me just say right off the bat, I may have overestimated when I said the Lakers would win 50. I may be loud wrong on that. At the moment, they're on pace to win zero. I am right. I will be proven right that the Cleveland Cavaliers will win 25 or fewer and will fire their coach at the end of the year. But I may be wrong with the Lakers. To answer this thing about officiating... They got the call they needed last night. With 12 seconds to go in the overtime, LeBron James went to the line for not one. He went for two. If he makes both those shots, we're not talking about this today because they win that game. Amazingly, he missed both of those. You can talk all you want about the, the theory behind what Luke Walton said, but they got the call they needed last night. No, they didn't because the Lakers, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. I don't like hearing this thing after you lose a game. And Luke Walton started by saying, I wasn't going to say anything. I wanted to keep my but, money. However, but Tony, this is sort of irrefutable. The Lakers scored 74 points in the paint against the Spurs last night. They were the aggressor. They were in the paint, which people, teams don't even do that anymore. But the Lakers have to. Not a great three-point shooting team. They shot 26 foul shots, 18 to 26. The Spurs, who were just sniping away, beautifully choreographed offense mm-hmm. from afar, they shot 38 free throws after making only 50. Is there, uh, are you the saying there's a prejudice against so, the no, Lakers at home? I'm not saying a prejudice. I'm not what are you saying? A, I'm saying a guy like Josh Hart, a youngster who's terrific, by the way, local product for right, right, me. Right, right. He's not getting any calls yet. So Luke Walton may have a point, but the Lakers' problem is bigger than that. The Lakers' problem is they don't know each other yet, and all the teams okay. in the West they're playing are not new teams. Two things are true. The Lakers are pretty darn good even from the start 0-3. But the West is a beast, and they're going to struggle. Josh Hart doesn't get any calls. You know who else doesn't get any calls? Mary Hart doesn't get any calls. And you know why? Because you have to be a veteran in that league. Yes. You You have to be a veteran in that league to get calls. They got one or two guys. One is sitting right now. And the other guy is is like Shaq with the ball. People bounce off him. He doesn't get as many as he should. But I don't want to hear this yet. I don't want to hear it from Luke Walton. Don't want to hear it. Thank you. But you're annoyed because your prediction is looking bad. Just when you thought the Rajon Rondo, Chris Paul, Spitgate incident was behind us. Not. Guess what? It isn't. Rondo has now fully weighed in, saying he did not spit on Paul, and Paul isn't much. Here's what Rondo said today, and I quote, I had a mouthpiece in my mouth, and I exasperated because I was about to tell him to get the bleep out of here. Of course, the NBA went with his side because I got three games and he got two. Everyone wants to believe Chris Paul is a good guy. They don't know he's a horrible teammate. They don't know how he treats people. I was going to let it rest, but now I have kids, and I teach my kids to speak up for themselves and don't let the world tell their story, unquote. Wilbon, whoo, where do you stand now? You know, this is tough for me um, because I would say two of my five favorite people to talk to in this league over the past decade are, as you know, Chris Paul and Rajon Rondo. They are smart, tough guys. They've never particularly liked each other. Chris, uh, 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 Paul Pierce talked about that in the postgame the other night. And I understand that. They're opposite numbers going at each other with a prize involved. I didn't, I didn't know whether he intentionally spit when I saw the, the tape. I didn't know what to make of that. And I think you were kind of with me on that. I've seen I it didn't, three or four or five hundred times. I never, I never saw it. I never so, saw him spit. Even when they put the arrow I know, in, I, I, I never saw it. I, I didn't know that, but I know Chris Paul feels he felt what he felt on him. And so, I, look, I don't have to take sides here. I, and I, I'm going to tell you something else. I think it's okay for these guys to go at it. 
They're rivals. They don't have um, to like each other. One of the reasons the NBA, I think, is better early this season is because there are people out there playing each other who admit, I don't like this guy. And the games are contentious and compelling. And with these two, so it is. If I had to side with one over the other, if I had to, I'd probably side with Rondo because I watched the tape and I never saw anything like that. And I thought Paul was the aggressor sticking his hand right in his well, face. Well, he did that because he right. felt So I think fit. the league has gone out of its way in this particular case. To believe case. Paul. To believe Chris Paul yeah. by giving him fewer games out, by trying to shine the most flattering light on Paul, whether this is because he's the head of the Players Association, if, if that plays into it, I don't really know. But I think Rondo has identified that particular part Man. of his punishment Man. where they try to make Chris Paul almost heroic. But the, we have to toss him because he fought, but for Bigger fewer question games. that matters yeah. more to us, having covered all this stuff for our whole lives. Yeah. Is this good or bad for the NBA? They didn't go into the stands. It was just among themselves, and it was in L.A., which is the center of the NBA universe. So for ratings, very good. Very good. Very good. And for rivalry purposes, yes, which that sport thrives on. The exit door has barely closed on Amari Cooper, and already the speculation has turned to what the Raiders should do with Derek Carr. Surprisingly to some of us, Marcus Thompson of The Athletic is reporting, that both the locker room and front office have questions about Carr and his toughness. There are even questions about whether Derek Carr was crying after taking a hit from the Seahawks. He says he wasn't. Either way, the bloom is off the rose for a guy you thought was going to be a big quarterback star in this league, Tony. I did. I did. I do. Should Carr then be the next to get shipped out of Oakland? Okay, your coach has a 10-year deal. He has all the time in the world. He is clearly methodically deconstructing his team. He traded away Khalil Mack. Great player, traded away. He blames somebody else every he day. Traded away every Amari time Cooper, he's in front of least a mic. very good player. I sitting here now. I believe he should trade Derek Carr tonight. Tonight, he should trade him either to Jacksonville, which doesn't like its quarterback, or the New York Giants, which at the moment don't have the quarterback they think they do. He should get a number one pick. He should stockpile as he's doing these number one picks and bet on himself that he can identify in the draft all these great players and go into Vegas yeah. with a very young. Very new team. I think he should trade the guy. And I like Derek Carr. That's very nice. The Oakland Raiders are back to being a dysfunctional, embarrassing mess. It doesn't matter what they do, whether they trade him or get picks. I don't trust even John Gruden to get the picks right. I don't. I think they will go into Vegas and they'll make a big splash there. And Tony, you know, it's 50-50. They could want out of Vegas in 10 years because that's what the Raiders do. So I'm not going to waste a whole lot of time mulling the option for the Raiders because as you said yesterday about some team, they're irrelevant. The Raiders, again, that they're be, irrelevant. I, I, but I'm saying I think, you, I think you trade this guy because I do think he has value. I think you get so what about a this number year? one. What about this season? I don't think Which they, is only, it's not even half I don't old. think they care about it. Jim Harbaugh, my boy, will not shut up about Michigan State linking arms and walking up and down <laughs> their own field on Saturday. <laughs> Harbaugh then called it, quote, Bush League. Yesterday, he doubled down saying, quote, to call that unsportsmanlike or Bush League is putting it mildly, unquote. And he dubbed Michigan State's demonstration as, get this, quote, an orchestrated stormtrooper march, unquote. Well, but this is your conference. Yes. These are your responsibilities. Yeah. Are you with Harbaugh? Yeah, mostly. And then I'm with D'Antonio. I'm with both of them. Well, yeah, 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 what do you mean? By the way, do you see that clip 
of Harbaugh standing at the lectern with the glasses and the short hair. You tell me he doesn't study photos of Bo Schembechler and try to look like him. Why? Did he look like Bo? Come Why on. shouldn't he? A young Bo? Why shouldn't he? He should. And they should both be at each other's throats. We just talked about rivalries and what's good for something. This is good for the Big Ten. Michigan and Michigan State hate each other. I think that Michigan and Michigan State, because of their proximity, hate each other as much as Michigan and Ohio State. The coaches playing don't like each other. They say things on Saturday morning and then later in the afternoon they're inflammatory. I love it all. Being a Big Ten person, it's good for college football and good for our conference. See, I don't have football at my school, so I don't know how this works. But could you answer two questions for me? Isn't this Michigan State's home field? Yeah. And don't they do this all the time? Kind of. Isn't this sort of a tradition for them? Mostly. Yeah. So I don't understand Harper. Uh, you know, yes, you do. And by the way, the kid who stood on the Spartan logo and, and scuffed then, it up so they had to repaint it. They could have That was Bush him. League. That was Bush League as far as I was What do concerned. you want? But I'm with, I'm always with Harbaugh. Always. Again, don't always. you think this is good for the Big Ten and good for college football? Always with Harbaugh, who did this with Pete Carroll and the throws. Let's take a break. Coming up, what can the Red Sox expect out of Chris Sale tonight? We're going to ask Bob Costas. We're also going to ask him whether Craig Kimbrough's struggles were really due to him tipping pitches. So you won't side with Rondo. I will. You won't. You know, these are like two of of my very, very, very favorite. How do you judge someone? Not by what they say, by what they do. We're a nation of doers. What's Mike Bloomberg about? Doing things. A middle-class kid worked his way through college. An entrepreneur, Bloomberg built a global news and information business from scratch. Mayor of a diverse, progressive city, Mike Bloomberg rebuilt after 9-11, creating nearly 500,000 jobs, improving health care and public schools. Now he's running for president, and Mike's the change we need. From chaos to steady leadership, from lies to someone who believes in facts and data, from divisiveness to someone who builds teams, nurtures good ideas, and holds himself accountable for results. Mike Bloomberg knows how to lead, to build, to deliver, to do. He'll win and unite this country. Mike will get things done. I'm Mike Bloomberg, candidate for president, and I approve this message because we need to deliver on the promise of the American dream. Paid for by Mike Bloomberg 2020. In a story the award-seeking PTI investigative team broke in our first segment, the World Series begins tonight. We're pleased to welcome in a man who will be part of MLB Network's coverage, MLB Network host, and a Long Island boy, Bob Costas. Let us start with this. These are two of the great historic franchises in baseball. Through that lens, can you tell us how you look at this matchup? Well, I think it becomes more interesting because you have Boston fans, not just in New England, but scattered around the country, and Dodger fans, not just in Southern California, but around the country. Uh, there are subplots both with this year's teams. They're both not just good, but they're interesting. A lot of potential chess moves between Dave Roberts and Alex Cora. And as you said, they each have deep and colorful histories, which is why it's interesting to note that it's been more than a century since the Dodgers and Red Sox met in a World Series. It was 1916, and the Dodgers then weren't even the Dodgers. They were known as the Brooklyn Robins. And although Fenway opened in 1912, the World Series games in Boston were played at Braves Field, the field then 
uh, the home of the Boston Braves because it had a larger capacity and they figured they'd get bigger crowds for the World Series. So this is the first time they have met in a World Series at Fenway Park or Dodger Stadium. I didn't know that. Did you know that? That's we got a little history lesson. Yeah, we have Bob Costas on. We're going to listen. Okay. <laughs> okay. Where do we start with Chris Sale, Bob? I mean, he apparently has some sort of shoulder irritation down the stretch. Allegedly, some stomach issue, though God only knows what the truth there is. He hasn't pitched in 10 days. So do the Red Sox have any real idea what they're going to get from him under those conditions? I don't think they're 100% certain. I asked Cora about it yesterday. He said, I know he will compete. I know he wants the ball, which is a nice way of saying I'm not 100% sure whether we get vintage Chris Sale or some percentage of that. Another thing which he said, not jokingly, uh, he's actually somewhat concerned, I think, is that Sale insists on pitching in shirt sleeves. It's part of his persona. And it's a very chilly and raw night. It's likely to rain during the game. They don't think there's anything structurally wrong with his shoulder. It's just inflammation, tendonitis, something like that. But from August 1st to the end of the regular season, he only threw 17 innings. Now, he was able to pitch fairly consistently during the postseason, but they babied him throughout the season uh, because his history is that he's great, whether with the White Sox or Red Sox, the first two-thirds of the season, and then when he begins to approach the 200-inning mark, then he begins to fade. So they managed that all season long, and they were able to do it because they had the big lead over the Yankees in their division. So they've got their fingers crossed. I don't think they're looking for him to pitch eight innings tonight, as he is often capable of doing when he's at his best, I think the car would take six good innings from him. J.D. Martinez had a great season as the D.H. in Boston. This, is, this league is crazy because in the middle three in Los Angeles, if they play all three, they're mm-hmm. not going to be a D.H. The only sport where the rules change in the middle of the series. What happens to Martinez? How do they work him in? I asked Alex Cora about that in a lengthy interview yesterday. He said Martinez will be in the lineup, in the starting lineup, for all seven games. And if Mookie Betts plays second base, he's such a good athlete, he's certainly capable of playing second. He began his professional career as an infielder, and he has taken infield practice in preparation uh, for the postseason. If Mookie Betts is used at second base, it will be because of a late inning switch or the game goes extra innings and they have to make some chess moves. The likelihood is that when they get to Dodger Stadium, Jackie Bradley Jr. sits, Betts plays center field, and J.D. Martinez plays right field. Wow. I'd like to have Brad, Jackie Bradley Jr. Well, in there, wouldn't you? Well, only in the playoffs so far, he's only got 40,000 RBIs. That's right. That's yeah. right. Now that Eric Gagne has reportedly told Alice Cora that Craig Kimball has been tipping his pitches, and he's all fixed. Bob, is he all fixed? We'll see. I thought he had a lot of trouble just finding the strike zone. Uh, he was erratic in a lot of games at the end of the regular season and in the early part of the playoffs, and you can't explain all of that away when you can't even get the pitch in the strike zone. There has to be something wrong besides just tipping the pitches. Now, according to what Gagne told uh, Cora and Kimbrell, he was looking toward the plate, turning his head toward the plate a little earlier when it was a fastball, and he was bringing his glove up closer to the tip of his beard uh, when it was a slider. Okay, fine, if these are pitches you're going to swing at. But when a guy is so (laughs) wild that he's walking the bases loaded, I don't know that you can attribute all of that to tipping the pitches. All right, we'll get you out of here on this. Which way are you leaning right now before the whole thing starts? 
I think it's going to be a good series. I give the Dodgers a chance, but the Red Sox have been the best team in baseball all year long. You don't win 108 on a fluke and then beat the two teams with the next two best records back-to-back in the playoffs and do it handily against uh, the Yankees and then against the Astros. So they are the favorites, and they deserve to be the favorites. Thank you so much for being with us. Stay warm. I see that heavy coat. Stay warm. Okay, guys. Thanks. Let's take one last break. Still to come, the Giants lose a game and then trade an Eli. But which Eli? Not that Eli. And the Lakers might be winless. But a Laker fan had a big win last night. Laker fan. So, if it, you know, they could, the Eli they could have traded could have been a Yaley. Because they are known the Eli, as the, the Eli's. Eli's. Right. Yeah. Do they have any people from Yale on Happy time, people. Happy 56th birthday, Doug Flutie, the quarterback and arguably the most famous college football touchdown pass of all time. His last second Hail Mary to Gerard Phelan to beat Miami in 1984, and I know because I was there. Oddly enough, for a BC grad, Flutie's now broadcasting Notre Dame games and shows up every once in a while in cute commercials for Dr. Pepper. It didn't work so well in a Chicago Bear uniform, did it? No. He and Coach did that. Didn't get didn't it. Get along real well. No, but he was a great he was a Heisman him? Trophy winner. Bambi. Peter Pan, I thought. Bambi. Bambi. All right. Happy anniversary, Joe Carter. On this day, 25 years ago, you hit a three-run, series-winning, walk-off homer off Mitch Williams of Philadelphia to give the Blue Jays their second straight World Series championship. The year before, the Blue Jays had beaten the Atlanta Braves, and they had never been to a World Series before or since in their 41-year history. The only two current franchises never to go to the World Series, Seattle Mariners and the Washington-Montreal franchise, now the Nats. When you're on a list of two for walk-off homers in the World Series, Mazeroski, Carter. That's it. That's the list. That's pretty special, isn't it? It is. Happy trails to this lucky fan. A Lakers fan hit a half-court shot to win $30,000 during a timeout last night. After he made the shot, he ran around celebrating and tried to get some love from the Los Angeles Lakers players, only to be waved off by Lakers security, which probably didn't bother him that much in that moment. But now upon seeing this, will undoubtedly make him feel like a bozo, a rich bozo. But a bozo. Not gonna make him rich. Those shots used to get you a million dollars, and then uh, people hit a few of them. One I know in the ocean. And insurance Stadium. companies. Underwriters said, "Take point. a walk." Quickly to the big finish. Let's Here do it. Go. Broncos quarterback Chad Kelly arrested for first degree criminal trespassing. Your thoughts? My first thought is, who's Chad Kelly, and are you sure he's a Broncos quarterback? The Giants lost to the Falcons and traded quarterback Eli Apple to the Saints. Fourth and a seventh. To return your reaction. A lot of people in New York think they traded the wrong Eli. The Bulls are 0-3. Chris Dunn is out four to six weeks with a sprained MCL. How you feeling? I'm feeling good. I'm thinking about Zion Williamson already. Okay. Huh? First pick of the draft. Magic beat the Celtics in Boston. Both teams are 2-2. Surprised? Yeah, I wouldn't have thought Orlando could beat Boston anywhere yeah. they played. So, yeah. Tight game last night. Last one. The unbeaten Nuggets and Pelicans. They both play tonight. Will they remain that way? Yeah, Clippers and Pelicans. Kings and Nuggets. They're both at home. They're both going to win. They're both pretty good. But they're not playing each other. No, not yet. Not yet. A lot of time. You're trying to be better the next time. And I'm Tony Kornheiser. I'm Mike Wilbon saying. Same time tomorrow, knuckleheads. You can get the PTI podcast on the ESPN app or Apple Podcast. Tony Romo shout.